Welcome to this edition of the Million Dollar Mastermind Podcast. This is where we pick the brains of high achievers from all walks of life and get their hard-earned, real-world insights on winning. I'm your host, Larry Wydell. Folks, we're going to have some fun this afternoon talking with Eric Gall. Hello, Eric. Hi, Larry. How are you? I'm doing great and uh, looking forward to hearing uh, what you've learned along the road in your business career because you've had lots of success. You may be the most decorated, award-winning guy I've talked to. <laughs> so you're definitely not somebody who who operates in a uh, tunnel, you know, hides your light under a bushel. You know, people. People know about you, people find out about you, and they're impressed by you. And so, you know, you stand uh, up well under the scrutiny of uh, other eyes and come out on top. You know, I'm just glad I'm not competing with you in anything right now, because I get the feeling, based off your track record, you'd wind up finding a way to beat me. So, <laughs> well, well, you know, they, you know, uh, there's the art of self-promotion, right? Um, yeah. You know. Just look behind me, right? <laughs> well, I guess, uh, but you've got uh, all kind of awards and everything. But uh, the, the the deal is, hopefully, we'll get. I'd start on that, but I really don't know where to start. But it's just like uh, you're well recognized, and what most people do that you're not guilty of, which is, uh, you know, most people really are reticent about themselves. And the reason for that, I think part of that is when you grow up, you learn right off the bat that to give the credit to your people and just take the blame yourself. And so you're also, most leaders are smart enough to realize they wouldn't be successful without their people. And, you know, they're smart, you know, we're smart enough to know we didn't do it all. And so it's kind of hard <laughs> to, you know, be out there shot, you know, unless except the narcissist among us, you know, who have no problem, you know, elbowing everybody else off the stage. But most of us, uh, if if we do anything, it's undersell ourselves. But people want to be a part of something special. They want to be a part of the award-winning thing. They want to do business with award-winning. Success breeds success. And so finding that balance is a uh, a thing for all of us to figure out. And you like to, you know, you got to promote yourself in this world, you know, or you're going to disappear, drop like a rock in the ocean. And so uh, what uh, uh, what are the things that of these things, what are the thing your accomplishments that you're most proud of at this point? And then we'll kind of back away from, from that. But from you evaluating your uh, career achievements and, and milestones, what are the things that that really give you the biggest uh a pride, satisfaction, uh, looking back? Well, you know, I set a goal probably about uh, seven years ago of becoming the number one broker in the state of Florida. We have the largest state association of brokers uh, in the country in Florida. There's about not over 900 of us. So my goal is to be number one, the number one volume producer in the state of Florida. And, you know, it took me a while. Um, you know, I had to refine, you know, my craft, uh, had to, uh, you know, look for creative means to 
you know, make myself known like we were talking about. And in 2021, I finally reached that pinnacle and uh, achieved number one sales volume in the state of Florida. And I did it in the Southwest Florida market, which is the uh, Naples, uh, Fort Myers area. Uh, and I was probably the first person to do that outside the major markets, the major markets being, you know, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, Orlando, and uh, the Tampa Bay area. Yeah. And uh, it seems like it'd be easy to do if you could pull in some of those, uh, you know, 40, 50, 60 million dollar uh, <laughs> single resident sales. Uh, but uh, there's there's not as many of those over in that part of the country. So what was your volume? Uh, I ended up with a little over $32 million uh, okay. in transaction volume in 2021, but I didn't do it all in Southwest Florida. So, you know, you spoke about getting your name out there. So I made affiliations with uh, CPA firms and uh, other referral partners, you know, not only in Florida, but in the Midwest where, you know, I grew up. And that brought me some deals that I normally, you know, wouldn't seek out here in Florida. And, you know, and that helped push the uh, number up much, much, much higher than uh, I think it would have been if I just focused on Southwest Florida. Uh -huh. And so where were you uh, at that? How did you get to the point where you said, OK, I'm going to uh, make a run for the top? And what I was getting ready to talk about was uh, for framework or perspective, usually we get in a business, we go through a phase where we get competent. We proved ourselves, hey, I can do this. And then uh, we learn the fundamentals and then maybe we get a little bit of team or a network we build around that helps support us, you know, some support people, sometimes working for us, sometimes just uh, uh, a network of friends and uh, advisors and all. But we put that in place and we get, you know, kind of team that will allow us to expand and multiply. But then you start looking at number one, like, how can I go to number one? And uh, you get you start to get uh, feisty, you start to get competitive. And so how did you uh, reach that point in your career? What was the ramp up to that? Well, I really started business sales in uh, 2009 in the state of Florida. Before that, I ran uh, kind of a little investment group, small private equity group where we purchased and sold some businesses on our own. Um, and after that, you know, I wanted to stay in Florida and my wife wanted to stay in Florida. so. We set down roots here and I needed something to do. So I hooked up with a small firm up in Orlando. Uh, it was actually, there was roughly 30 uh, brokers in the firm. So it wasn't really small, but they were more focused on the Main Street business sales. So they were selling a lot of small restaurants, uh, you know, hair salons, you know, maybe some, some larger service companies, yeah. service related companies like HVAC companies and the like, but mostly Main Street mom and pops stuff. So, you know, that's where I, you know, kind of learned the craft, um, you know, developed my skill set. Um, but I had, uh, you know, that itch to get back to doing a little bit bigger deals, like the ones that I was doing in our investment group, and like ones that I actually did with Ford Motor Company prior to even starting that investment group. So, in 2014, I decided that uh, I needed to take a different direction so I could move into the little bit of the lower middle market type deals, you know, those, you know, three, four, uh, five, 10, 15, $20 million deals. So what I did is I started my own firm. Um, I had a partner who wanted to join me. He since left. Um, his deal volume wasn't uh, 
you know, in the same uh, level as mine. Um, so, you know, he was a little bit uncomfortable and we parted ways amicably. But the the uh, genesis of it all was the fact that I could rebrand under my own brand and go from being kind of that Main Street type broker to someone who was focused on talking to those lower middle market guys. And, you know, it worked very well. And, you know, obviously, and, you know, it allowed me, you know, in the door of those folks who, who were, uh, you know, selling the businesses that were doing like a million dollars EBITDA plus. Well, I don't, I'm sure this is under uh, what your, the total is, but we, we see uh, that you uh, sold over $250 million worth of businesses and Ver, you know, various things. But from that, you get a real perspective on the marketplace and the people that are in the buy-in business. And you you get instincts for, you know, where the uh, profitability is, you know. And uh, uh, did that help inform your your decision about where to go? And uh, or was it was this something else? Well, it, you know, it has a it has a lot to do with it, because when you look at a small Main Street deal, you're usually, you know, working with unsophisticated buyers and unsophisticated sellers who are probably going through this process for the first time. Yeah. You know, so they don't really have a process. You have to hold their hands the entire, you know, uh, process every single step of the way. Yeah. Whereas if you go into the lower middle market businesses, you know, they have their teams of advisors, both on the buy side and the sell side. So, you know, you're working with their CPA, their attorney, you know, maybe even their uh, financial planner, um, you know, their CFO. So they've got folks who can step in and, you know, work the deal with you. Um, it's still, you know, the same steps. It's still the same process. It's just that there's, you know, a level of sophistication that makes the deal go a little bit smoother, a little bit easier you know, along that, uh, that process. Okay. Let me just say what you probably don't want to say. All of those people are deal killers, you know, the accountants and the lawyers and everything, they all are, it's, 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 it's a lot, a lot of them are like the journalists trying to make, you know, Woodward and uh, Bernstein at the Washington post, they're looking for a story to make, make their, uh, careers. And a lot of times people are looking for things to establish, you know, on the professional level, God bless them. But so much of that, they're headhunters in the sense that they want to establish that, thank goodness you had me involved because otherwise you wouldn't have found this and you could have, you know, really got yourself into a mess. And so you find it, it's, it's hard, the bigger, de- you know, because in financial service, we went through the same thing. It's, right. it's sexy to say, I just had a $3 million sale, unbelievable, $4 million sale. Yeah. But how long did it take you to close that sucker? You know, how, how long did it take to get that whale in the boat? And so every uh, uh, sale comes down to a decision maker. You know, someone's got to make the decision. And uh, the bigger the decision, you know, the bigger uh, the, you know, the doubt is about the other side. And so any if you got a whole lot of people say, well, you know, uh, maybe it's not a good idea to pull that thing in the boat. You know, maybe, uh, you know, maybe we should go after a different kind of fish. You know, maybe we, you know, maybe this, we're going to regret this, you know, and some, you only, it does take much of that before you're either stalled out or, you know, you're back to square one and the smaller deals, 
uh, uh, somehow it's, you know, it is, it's easier to get to the decision maker and you get to the decision maker, you find out what, what their main concerns are. You satisfy those, bam, you know, you can close it and move on. Can't do that in the, the bigger ones quite as seamlessly, can you? Well, I mean, the uh, it's easier to get to the single decision maker, you know, in the smaller deals. Yeah. And yes, you have a, a large number of decision makers in the larger deals. And certainly I've come across, you know, the uh, I'll call it the hero CPA or the hero attorney yeah. who jumps in and, you know, pounds their chest and says, this isn't a good deal. <laughs> you know, and usually usually you find, you know, that, you know, whatever their their. Uh, you know, hiccups are, you know, are usually easy to overcome. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, communication between buyer, seller, you know, to straighten it all out, you know, or, you know, provide adequate protection for the buyer, you know, if it's their side, you know, balking at the deal or adequate protection for the seller if it's their side. Yeah. You know, communication solves so many problems, um, you know, and I found that if you, you uh, you know, open those lines of communication early. Generally, you get around that hero CPA, that hero you know attorney, um, and you know you can get the deal done. But well, you know, so much does come up. So much of business comes down to rubber meeting in the road. You got to sell something, folks. And so mm -hmm. uh, when you sell two hundred fifty million dollars worth of properties and everything, you pick up some instincts how would you go about so we know this is going to be a, the bigger the deal we know that's more than likely uh going to be more of an issue than the smaller deal so how would you the best way to solve objections is to head them off in advance and so it seems exactly. like seems like you were working to head off uh, uh or to mitigate that being turning into a problem for you right from the beginning by establishing a relationship, getting to know the decision maker right from the beginning. How would you go about doing that? Well, I think the most important part of, you know, uh, you know, avoiding pitfalls in the process is properly preparing the business for sale. So we spend a lot more time working with the seller and prepping that business for sale. So when we recast the financials, for example, we're getting into some of the nitty gritty that, you know, a buyer would look, you know, we're not getting quite as deep, you know, into, into, you know, what, what is it a legitimate, you know, add back to the bottom line or what isn't, isn't, you know, we don't get as deep as a buyer would, but we get as close as we possibly can so that directionally we're correct. And when a buyer goes and does their financial due diligence, they're not going, Oh my gosh, this is way off, or this is a ridiculous ad back, and they you break their trust because if you break the buyer's trust, it's hard to get it back. Yeah. So you know, doing that preparation on both the financial side and on the business side, so really doing a deep dive into the operations of the business, how it works, how it operates. If I know that and I can communicate it in the documentation that we provide to a buyer, and then. The buyer starts having that discussion with the seller and the seller reemphasizes exactly what I've told them. You just build confidence quickly in the deal on the buy side. And at that point, you know, you know, you if buyer and seller like and trust one another, you'll get a deal done. Thanks for listening to the Million Dollar Mastermind. 
you felt there were any valuable takeaways from this episode, please take a minute and leave us a five-star review. Your feedback is important and really helps us get the word out to a wider audience. Remember, we have a valuable webinar that is absolutely free. Register for it right now at whitealamwinning.com. Thanks for listening.